I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the 2018 MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. Our review of round 28 and preview of round 29. This episode is brought to you by Double Game Weeks. Always go all in, even if rotations might cost you everything. Uh, oh, wait, no, no. <laughs> Actually, no, brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the fantastic subreddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by usual co-host, Michael Denton. Unfortunately, Blaine can't be with us again tonight uh, because he is tending to his sick daughter, so uh, thoughts out to you, Blaine, hoping that that Lily gets better. Uh, But we have a great guest tonight, been talking him up the last couple of weeks on the show. Uh, We have Matt Pollard from Last Word on Sports here to – Last Word on Soccer, sorry – uh, here to uh, chat with us at Fantasy Night tonight. Uh, how are you guys doing? Hello, Reed. Thank you very much for having me. Um, you know, uh, all is right with the world. Uh, the two teams that I cover in MLS probably aren't making the playoffs, so that's unfortunate. But uh, Todd Gurley and my mob squad about to take on the Raiders later tonight in hand egg, so uh, I can't complain for a Monday night. <laughs> see, see, I'm just depressed because with Lily sick, I don't know who's going to be my captain this week. I don't know how I'm supposed to get a pick without Lily. <laughs> We need to get like a giant board and just throw darts at it, and that can help us in the future. I do have a Nerf dart right here that my kid left. <laughs> that that could be do it. That could be it. We'll we'll work on. We'll get a video of that and just have have the way Mike comes up with his his picks with Nerf guns. Sweet. <laughs> well, guys, let's talk about round twenty eight. It was a short round. Uh, international break was here for most leagues. Uh, Got to see the United States play Brazil, and then we have a game against Mexico coming up tomorrow. So maybe we'll chat about that real quick uh, at the end of this segment here. But let's talk about how our MLS teams did, starting off with our scores. Mike, how'd you do? Uh, I got 108. Um, I think my main misstep was I put in Acosta uh, instead of Rooney because I kind of made that choice once I saw uh, the ring get suspended midweek. I kind of thought DC United was definitely going to get a goal. Uh, thought that with the midfield of New York City being in some dire straits, that Acosta would have more success than Rooney, and then Nemeth, you know, against Orlando would still be a good pick. Obviously, that didn't work out. Other than that, other than the New York City players being generally disappointing, um, I did okay. I had Blanco, who got 40, 14, um, Valeri, Valentin, Zussi, you know. I mean, pretty much there, there was a whole lot of opportunities for success this week. So 108 was okay, but I did lose my head-to-head. Matt. Uh, I had one of my best weeks in recent memory. I had 117 points in total. Um, I've been dabbling with the what I call the double switcheroo, where I have two buy players in my starting 11, and then effectively two of my three bench players come off. I made a couple really good picks as far as the right sporting Kansas City players to pick up. Um, I got some really good hype on Twitter about Anthony Fontas, so I moved him to the bench. Sebastian Blanco got me 14 points. A little bit disappointed with uh, just how uh, – 
NYCFC did, giving that I had both Sean Johnson and Ben Sweat, and neither of them were able to get um, uh, a clean sheet in any of the two games they played on. But Maxi Morales is my captain, 24 points, can't really complain, and David Villa couldn't David Villa. Um, so, so I'll take my 117, 115 points, excuse me, and I believe I now have five wins in our league, which is much better than where I was last season, or at least I guess the the Apertura in the Klaus Sura. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pushing for. Do, do we have champions? League? league in in the mls fantasy boss uh head-to-head league read oh uh, we we don't have a champion league no we just had the playoff near the end but uh with this new system maybe we'll have to get that worked out in the coming season okay how many what's what's the last playoff spot in in the league then uh i think it takes the top eight if i'm if i remember correctly okay, let me pull up the standings then i'm in fifth so I'm, I'm i'm pushing for for that home wild card game right now then <laughs> there we go yeah it's eight or ten but i i want to say eight for some reason off the top of my head uh, I may have been eliminated. I've had such a rough game. I'm 14th. Yeesh. <laughs> hey, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, 115, that's that's pretty good. I got 112, so we're all right there in that same general area. I think anyone who scored I, – I actually went up one rank. Uh, last week I was 105 overall. This week I was 104 overall. So I think anyone who scored in those low – to load, uh, I guess the, the low to mid teens, you likely saw a small increase or maybe stayed about the same. I saw some scores up there in the 120 range as well. So if you hit in that mark, then I, uh, you should have seen some gains in your overall score or overall ranking, of course, depending on where you are in the overall standings right now. Um, I did not get any DC United players. I dabbled with that back and forth. I was really trying to work a cost in for a while, ended up not doing it. Uh, so I had a, a good result from my defense. So I was pretty pleased with that, uh, with Zussi and Viafania and Valentin right there. <laughs> I put Johnson on the bench thinking about maybe doing a switcheroo or keep a with that. And then when I saw the Sporting Kansas City lineup with, with Nimeth starting in the front, I swapped him in and made another change to get Blanco in instead on my bench and did not go with a keeper. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I got the 14 points for Blanco. Uh, Nimeth and Dwyer, who I brought in as well, did not do much for me in, in offense right there. Uh, three points there on the bench. I got one of those guys to come in. I also did that double switcheroo, Matt, that you're talking about. And uh, this was not a great week to, I think, demonstrate the other great advantage of a double switcheroo. If you have those bench players playing early enough, you also have the option to swap out one of your buy players to bring in another guy who has another shot at a at a better score than even your bench. So uh, depending on how you min-max those those double switcheroos, it can be really powerful um, in a bigger game week like we have this week for round 29. Um, but like I had uh, Morales as my captain, Valeri, so had a, had a good overall showing, 112 points, helped me in my head-to-heads. And it was a pretty good round, even though – it was pretty short. Uh, there were still some things to talk about. <clears throat> Mike, you may do a bulk of the talking right now because I got to <laughs> the FC first. They were the only double game week team that we had. We saw their first home loss of the season and then very nearly their second home loss of the season. Um, it, was, it was a rough week for your pigeons right there. And I want you to give a quick insight if people should be worried about that as we're wrapping up this season. Uh, because I was listening to Extra Time Radio, and they talked about how with the new coach, it seems like they've been more focused on some of the errors they were making under the old system. And by focusing on their errors, they haven't been able to just play their game and be successful. Um, 
I don't know if I would quite agree with that. I mean, I, I think that you have a few things going on. One, Dome has tried to make New York City more like Pep. Um, and that means that the fullbacks um, sometimes cut in. Um, and I think that that hasn't really worked out um, as well as when they when they were playing under Vieira, where they pretty much stayed much wider. Um, and you allow your front wingers to stay in. Uh, I think the way P- Vieira had it was a lot better. Um, I also think he's been pushing ring up way super high, and I don't think a four he can handle that. And so you keep having these great breaks come the other way. Um, I mean, New England, New York City put up a lot of shots, but New England could have won that game three nothing. They had a lot of really good chances on the break. Um, and then the final thing is that Dome has brought in two guys, and both of those guys have been terrible. Uh, <laughs> I got. I have no idea why he was signed to an MLS contract. Um, and Castellanos, you know, Tati, uh, the, the best thing I can say for him is he's not ready for MLS yet. Um, the fact that he started twice over Lewis is abominable. Um, I mean, it's it's almost having him start over Lewis twice with this week with no Medina, no Burgett, it's almost a fireable offense. I mean, I don't know what else that kid can do to show you and what else Tati can do to show you that he's not ready. Um, and, but most of all, they just don't look like they're on the same page. They, I mean, I watched the New England game. I didn't get to see the DC game. It just looked ugly. It was the worst game I've seen New York City play since the Red Wedding. It was that bad. I was that angry and disappointed after that game. I, I think New York City is done as far as a Shield contender. They're done as far as an MLS contender, unless Dome has the humility to say, I'm done with experimenting this year. I'm going to go back to what works. Because right now, what he's done since he got came there, it's not working, and it hasn't been good. New York City hasn't been good since he took over, and he either needs to realize he's not going to be able to run his system until he gets replacements for Ofori and some of the other guys that run his way. And if he if he doesn't want to do that, then you know this is a wasted year, and we'll go on to next year. Uh, so you're also saying play your kids, but not those kids, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, I mean, the good thing is that Sands looks good. So I mean, if if you kept if you had Ring in the Sands, uh, but though I think Ring needs to stay back more, I think you would have a much better better team. And Ring was someone who I targeted early on in the fantasy this week and did swap him as well. Uh, some other some takeaways fantasy wise from the other side of the ball: uh, New England's youngster Wright, uh, four million, had his first start, got his first goal. New England's pretty much done for this season, though. Don't look at that being consistent. Uh, at $4 million, maybe he's a good bench option. He may get some more playtime going forward, but he's definitely going to be a long shot switcheroo going uh, if you want to go with him as another fantasy option. Uh, and then, of course, the D.C. game. Uh, that one was just hard fought. Uh, back and forth both ways. Both teams really going at it. Um, I thought, and I don't know, Matt, if you got to see this game or saw any reviews of it, it was it was a late goal by of course David Villa, who who made the difference to get that one one draw and and that's a little um, I, I like that it's a little bolstering to my spirits of what a DC defense could be a lot of that's now that Hamid is back they've got Rimbaum healthy as well but a little bit of solidifying of the DC defense I don't think that will help much wrapping up this fantasy season but maybe for next year they could be a, a decent sort decent source especially early on of some some defense but did you get a chance to watch that game um i saw it in parts and bits uh, i was doing running some errands uh, and then all 
also uh, watching a little bit of college football before the Rapids game on the night. I thought DC was the better team, to be honest, Reed, in terms of how they handled things. They looked a lot fresher. Granted, New York City did have, you know, a very trying game on the midweek. And I know there was a lot of concern, at least from what I saw on Twitter, about how would Wayne Rooney handle, you know, being on that posted stand of a baseball pitch at Yankee Stadium. And yeah, it was smaller and the ball was moving a little bit further. That also meant that there was less space that he had to run just because the smitch, because the pitch by definition was a little bit smaller. So and he's still able to, you know, it's still wide enough to where there are going to be those gaps where he was able to float and do things. And obviously the rest of that DC team was very, very familiar with playing at that venue. You know, Ben Olsen has been uh, DC United's head coach as long as New York City FC has existed um, in MLS. So I thought they managed it pretty darn well. Not the greatest offensive performance, but, you know, you're going up against a good team. You're having one of your few road games through the rest of the season. You know, if David Villa hits it off the post, if Bill Hamid does Bill Hamid things, then, you know, we're talking this week about DC United getting a huge upset win on the road and just continuing their momentum onto the playoffs. That said, getting a draw, all things considered, I think doesn't really hurt them from that standpoint. And I did put in Rooney at the last minute seeing uh how nycfc were changing things up so i'm not going to complain about the points that he got me for you know being a, a washed up english national team player you know i never thought of it that way where most players probably like uh the new york field uh it's geez he's probably like oh gotta run less perfect this is <laughs> it my kind of play uh moving on to the sporting kansas city game uh they took on orlando uh, i think several people went uh, not too deep with Sporting Kansas City because they were missing some of their main midfielders. I went with Nemeth, and so for my general summary with his performance is Nim eh. <laughs> thing. Uh, not, not a lot out of a player who I was hoping would really come on at the end right there. Someone who did come on, though, and uh, to keep an eye on going forward fantasy-wise is Gutierrez. He is back. I think this might have been, uh, was it his first? No, it was his first goal. He's been starting for a little bit, but it's his first goal since coming back from his, his surgery. I think it was a hernia surgery and his first goal, goal since round five. So it's been a while for him to get back into what I know sport in Kansas City and probably Blaine as well hopes is more consistent form. $7.3 million midfielder. If he does find some consistency there, that's a great value, especially when you start comparing the prices of Shallowy and Russell. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Dom Dwyer. Mike talked about him last week. I brought him in last week as well. Uh, Mike was talking about him on the show. Didn't produce, but he had a couple of fantastic chances that Tim Malia equally fantastically saved. Um, but $9.1 million, Dom Dwyer is still a great option as a switcheroo forward. Pretty affordable, especially with some of the, the budgets people likely have right now. And even though Orlando is not technically – out of the playoff race right now. They're pretty much out of the playoff race right now, but it, so it's good to see him uh, still going out there and going all out at it, especially from a fantasy point of view. Final game that we have is, uh, is Portland. Good, A good win for Portland. What? Okay. Sorry, Matt, they took on Colorado um, without Acosta. I think that's, that's the bread and butter for you guys right now out there. So without him, uh, Valeri goes and sets a record with double-digit assists and double-digit goals four seasons in a row uh, as you said before with Hamid it's Valeri doing Valeri things um, and then another first in this game with uh, Ibobise I believe um, you know our history with names on the show uh, five million dollar forward gets his first start as well and also gets his first goal 
for Portland, uh, but with the form they're on, I don't think we can expect him to really get a lot of consistent starts. I don't know if I'd be comfortable with him unless you have some sort of advanced knowledge. Uh, but I mean, a good win for Portland. Uh, what would you say about that one, Matt? Um, I, I completely agree with you. I thought this was pretty straightforward. Um, as wrap. It's Rabbi and I previewed this game um, for holding the high line last week. You know, it was going to be the only thing that was really going to be interesting was to see how Hudson was going to deal with some of the injuries where maybe, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, you could get, say, an Enzo Martinez or a Court Ford, one of the cheaper players as an actual starter. But other than that, you know, I think without Acosta, the tactical interesting situation you would have between the 4-4-2 diamond and the Christmas tree midfield was kind of, you know, brought out. But then, you know, the Rapids are a really bad road team. Uh, the Timbers are a really good home team. Um, and then just, you know, there's only so much that Jack Price can do when everybody else just isn't at his level. He can't guard Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco simultaneously. Um, and we've seen what Danny Wilson and Tommy Smith are in a center back pairing when they have to deal with speed. Um, and that ultimately ended up showing, um, you know, not really interesting from a fantasy standpoint, but for everybody here in Commerce City, Colorado, uh, Cole Bassett did make his MLS debut, 17-year-old homegrown that signed uh, right before for the San Jose game last month. So that was kind of a nice little nugget to say, okay, this is where it started. But, you know, it's the, the season's done for the Rapids at this point. It's what other tactical um, ways they can get a little bit creative and get a little bit more comfortable in the 4-4-2 diamond. And, you know, are you, from a fantasy standpoint, it's, is Kellen Acosta going to continue to ball out? And are you going to be able to get Edgar Castillo another goal or two? That's that's really about it from a fantasy standpoint. Um, the Rapids officially this weekend can be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs with a Seattle Sounders win and a Rapids loss to Atlanta, which is all but inevitable as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Of course, the reason for so few teams this past week is because, as we already mentioned, the international break, and the United States played Brazil uh, a few days ago. Uh, did both of you guys get to see that game? I did not. I saw it in spurts. Kill me. You're killing me, guys. Uh, from what you did see, Matt and Mike, from what you may have overheard or seen or seen uh, replays of, uh, what would you think of the performance? I know we're odd, uh, but we'll, a, a small aside, I think. Um, I thought Kellen Acosta did some really good things moving on the ball. Um, you know, I think Matt Miazga continues to progress. You know, that said, they're playing one of the most talented uh, teams in the world. And say what you will about him rolling from, uh, you know, rolling from MetLife Stadium into the Hudson River after getting fouled, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Neymar is still an excellent player. So, you know, I thought the PK was a little bit soft, but, you know, I, given it's 2-0 and you think it's, you know, a soft PK to where it could have been 1-0, I think it was a fine performance. I think, you know, I don't know how much these games actually matter, just given that, you know, the the U.S. national team still doesn't have a head coach, but, you know, it was some development of relationships that maybe are going to pay off a little bit more. I'm not putting any, you know, any weight or that much stock in what happened on Friday night. And the only reason I'm remotely caring about the result on Tuesday is because it is on September 11th and they are taking on Mexico, who's a rival. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Bobby Warshaw when he talks about what to take away from this game. It's it's just straight up experience for for these young players to get out there. And and just play at with these types of players in in that kind of setting. Um, it's it's just experience to to learn what it feels like and, and learn what it takes. So, um, yeah, without the coach, it's it's a huge deal right there. I loved Miazga out there. I thought he did he did fantastic. I also was real impressed with Trap going around. Uh, I thought he had a, several great moments and and like seeing him on on the corner kicks a lot right there. So that was that was a great. A performance that I think in a and you know a good showing 
for uh, Greg Berthalter in general with with three of his players all out there. Uh, Zara's coming on late to to try to do something, but uh, I, I really enjoyed the game. My favorite moment, though, was after uh, Neymar had had taken a dive, um, and they when he was going up against Yedlin, and there was that up close. A camera shot of Yedlin talking to the referee, and he's just going, "Did you watch the World Cup? Did you did you watch the World Cup?" <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, thank you, thank you so much. I love that. Now, I don't know if that was what he really said, or if that's just me doing a bad lip reading, but I absolutely love that. And of course, I mean, he did he did amazing as well, which I think we expect from uh, from Yedlin. Any thoughts from you, Mike? Just that. I mean, I, I think it's good that they had a pretty decent result. I mean going into that, you know, no Pulisic, no real head coach. Yeah. Um, people were kind of expecting a blowout. And because, I mean, Brazil did bring their A team. So even though it's a friendly, I think it's definitely something to build confidence. And, and apart from the experience, that's the other thing you can do is to build confidence. And I think that back line um, handled it pretty well with only one goal aside from a soft PK. Um, so and he, we didn't have Pulisic. So there, there's definitely a lot of reasons for optimism for this young group. Yeah, I love the heat map that got shared. Actually, I guess it wasn't a heat map. It was just a little dots all over the place. But I love the the map that showed uh, actions on on the field, and there were just giant gaps around the the top of the eighteen on on Brazil's side, and just giant arrows saying Pulisic goes here. So I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's really true. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, we got uh, tomorrow. And you know what? If we have someone, so many Columbus group players on the national team, it'll really help when Greg Berhalter takes over in the winter. <laughs> I really – I would like to see him. Um, not Siggy. I know so that guy that, – I saw that get floating around. People like, are actually saying that? Who yeah, said I think, that? I think it was – Call like, this person out, Reed. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I think it was really just tongue-in-cheek because, like, that was said, and I was like, oh, no, please okay. no. Okay, it, it, it was the same sense then, like, I, after the U.S. getting eliminated at 4 a.m., thought, big Sam for U.S. men's national team. That sounds like a good idea. And then I wake up the next morning, and I'm like, Matt, what were you thinking? Okay. I, 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 I retract my – Okay, I, I, everyone got a mulligan after that game. Whatever okay, you said the, the day after that, everyone gets a mulligan for that for that night. You can say whatever you wanted to say. <laughs> I really think <laughs> – uh, you know, this is just like this is happening, and then all of a sudden this happens, and like, are they related? Oh no, I'm a little worried. What's going to happen? So I think it was just some of that that paranoia with with not having a coach yet. That's that started to settle in for some people, but uh, sometimes, sometimes, really looking forward to um, having the United States take on Mexico uh, down in Nashville tomorrow. If you're listening tonight or today, if you're listening tomorrow. Uh, let's move on to some housekeeping real quick. We got one more topic we'll talk about, but I think it makes more sense in this section here. Uh, this is a double game week. Games start Wednesday, September 12th at 7.30 p.m. So be sure to get all of your teams set and locked by that time so you can uh, get the most out of this double game week. There are two teams playing on a double game week. We have DC United, which is a double home. Wait, no, that's not true. Uh there are one home, one away. But Minnesota is the other other team, and they are a double away. So we've got D.C. United, home and away, and then we've got Minnesota United, two away games right there. Uh, only other thing you really need to keep an eye out for this round is that the international break is wrapping up for most leagues. We just keep plugging on forward. 
Uh, but so that means the international players are going to be making their way back into the rosters. And with a lot of United States players just in Nashville, there's a high likelihood that many of them will be, if not all of them, available for their games this week. So keep an eye on the roster, uh, on the lineups that get released uh, after Tuesday to see which of those players will back into their starting lineups and how that may impact your fancy choices. Patreon. A big announcement to make after we finish this recording. I'm going to do another recording, but it's going to be a video because I've got a fun little unboxing, unbagging maybe might be the better now that I'm looking at it, the package off to my, to my left in my office here. Um, I'm going to do a little unboxing video to make a little quick announcement on Patreon. I think everyone's going to love it. It has to do with swag and... Um, just, just stay tuned for that. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I'm mentioning Patreon, uh, the way we help share the costs of this podcast, help with our our hosting and, and just help with all the other various fees that we have for prizes and, and other, other fun things, is people contribute to the show and they go to our Patreon website and we have some <clears throat> prize tiers that I'm trying to help honor uh, this this year and, and get some, some swag out to people. And it's just a way that, that people can give back to the show because people get a lot out of it. That As we've heard with our guests that have come on the, to the show of this past few weeks as well, this past month. And we are so happy that people are able to improve with the information that we provide to them to succeed in, in winning their leagues or, or winning the season with the information that we provide for them. And I'm just happy. <laughs> I think everybody is happy that people just have fun with the podcast. And, and we love doing it. And we, we love that people are willing to help give some of their money to help us be able to uh, produce it regularly as we do. If you want to know more about Patreon, head over to our website, which is patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-L-S-F-I. And now Mike with the injury news. Okay. Uh, we talked about players returning from camp. Uh, the biggest one for the double game week is, and I think the only one who's returned from U.S. camp is Paul Ariola. Um, now be a little bit careful with him because he is on yellow card warning. Um, so be careful with that for the double game week. Another DC player on yellow card warning is Chris Durkin. Um, he has one game away from getting the uh, good behavior incentive. So um, he would obviously be someone to care be careful about. Uh, no one on Minnesota is on yellow card warning. Um, Michael Boxall from Minnesota is suspended for the DC match for yellow card accumulation. Then we have the interesting case of Francisco Calbo. In case you were looking at him, he is suspended for yellow card accumulation for his next game. Now, he was called up to international duty with Costa Rica, but he returned to training this week, but he's picked up a little bit of a hamstring injury. Um, so obviously he's an issue injury-wise, but I also don't know what they're going to do about the suspension since um, since normally when you're on international duty, that game doesn't count, and it was likely going to be pushed back to the RSL game. I don't know what MLS is going to do. Minnesota has been kind of fighting when this suspension can be occurred anyway. So I'm kind of wondering if there's some shenanigans going on here. So I don't really know what's up with Calvo's status. So I'd be very careful. Regardless, he's definitely going to miss half the double game week. And I don't think you want just one game of Francisco Calvo. But if you do, you know, you're, you're weird. Don't do that. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you should know better than that. <laughs> um, and that's really all. There weren't too, um, too many injuries um, or anything else that I saw that got picked up um, over the weekend because there weren't too many games for people to get hurt. So, yeah. And if you do know about those injuries, definitely send them out to MLS Injury News and Mike. It's He and I were talking before the show. It's been kind of hard this year because um, with a lot of the beat writers – 
going behind paywalls and just a lot of them just not available anymore. It's been a lot harder to get that information. And as we've done a few times in the past, it just got us talking about why. Why is it so hard to get this injury information? And I mean, I'm just coming from the American hand egg football right here is, is, I mean, they have it all the time. It's, it's commonplace. And I can't imagine that it's giving that much of a heads up to other teams that they can just completely undermine a strategy just because you might know that Francisco Calvo is not available for the team, or you might know about how long Quintero could be on an injury list or something like that. Um, I just can't see that being that big of a game changer. And it just baffles me that teams are so tight lipped about it. Maybe that's what we'll get Siggy Schmidt to not go coach the U S men's national team. We'll get him to come onto our podcast right here and talk to us about injury reporting of what the heck's <laughs> that. But uh, uh, Matt, you don't get to be on here as much as, and have this, as much of the discussion as Mike and I do with this. What are your general thoughts? Like what's up with injury reporting? Uh, I, I think the issue, you know, and I believe I'm, I'll admit I am no hand egg expert in the NFL is probably uh, of the major four leagues. One of the ones that I follow the least, uh, really, I just keep up with the Rams and whatever's going on on Sunday night. Um, so I, I think it's actually a mandate that teams actually have to report it. And then based on their percent, like a certain percentage of their, uh, of their, you know, questionables have to play or like they can get fined a menial amount of money at the end of the season but i think that's actually a league mandate so if there's no league mandate and obviously mls is you know a single entity if nobody else is putting out by you providing that information you're giving everybody else that information now if it's you know don garber similar to saying everybody has tam and you can use it in different ways and it's not the same asset that a DP roster spot is to where it can help the minnows and the smaller spenders catch up to some of the big boys then that's helpful but if the league comes out and says everybody you know, the, you know, Wednesday at noon Eastern, you have to submit your injury report and you've got to stick to it with this certain percentage over the course of the season, or we're going to find you such and such game at the end of the season that then goes to the teams that tend to stick to it. Then I think you'll see it from everybody else. But if there's no mandate to it, and if you're just openly providing it, you are giving other teams an advantage. I don't know how significant it is. And, you know, if there's no mandate or anything to actually check on it, you know, you know, the, the Colorado Rapids in 2016 had Jermaine Jones listed as questionable or day to day for essentially four months in which he didn't play. He didn't play. So I, I tend to even when you do get this information to not really focus that much on it. Uh, I've noticed this a little bit with the Rapids where there were rumblings about that, particularly with hashtag Eignergate and then a few other players over the course of this season. That now essentially the club comes out and via the Burgundy Wave, um, the uh, the Colorado Rapids SB Nation blog, they actually come out every single Wednesday at noon Mountain Standard Time and report the players that are out, the ones that are questionable, and the ones that pre previously have had have had injury issues that are good to go it's been at least in the four weeks that it's existed a little bit inconsistent in terms of those but you know that gives you at least a sense of the information as opposed to me having to knock down doors really pester anthony hudson and you know be asking why marlon harrison has a cartilage issue you say that he's going to be out for two to three weeks and then he ends up being out for two months um i i think the only way that this changes if is if something from the league mandates it. And uh, I don't see the league wanting to do that. And of course, the conversation Mike and I usually lead into is one of the other catalysts from for mandating that seems to be uh, gambling. And uh, that's becoming more and more a reality here in the United States now. And, and Mike, that's where we were talking about tonight uh, before the show started. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
there's been a legal decision that allows gambling legalized. Um, you see media outlets um, are embracing it more. Um, you know, Fox just launched a, a brand new gambling show today. Uh, so clearly it's something that both media and companies are interested in, fans are interested in. It's been a longtime driver of, you know, the fandom in the NFL apart from fantasy itself. Um, and, and to me, the concern is that if injuries are not reported uniformly, then you have a concern about insider information and that can affect gambling lines. So obviously, MLS isn't a big gambling concern here, but it's still something to be thinking about as far as legal regulation. You know, it's better for MLS to regulate, regulate itself than have Congress come in and do it for them. Um, and as far as like the advantage, I'm sure you could get some sort of advantage, but look at the Premier League. All of those coaches talk about the injury statuses of all of their players. Yeah, this guy may or may not play. Yeah, he picked up something in point training. Look, if Pep if Pep Guardiola and Klopp can do it while going up against each other, then you can do it in MLS. There's really no excuses for the coaches. It's just them wanting to exert control, and unfortunately the media here is not strong enough to be able to counter it. Um, but, I mean, it really does hurt MLS as a league. It prevents there from being any kind of content midweek. I mean, I was telling Reed, like, I don't know how much longer I can do injury news because I haven't been able to keep up with it because most of the beat writers have gone behind paywalls. Most of them just don't exist. So there's no real pressure on the coaches to put out this injury information so that I can relate it to y'all accurately. So... But, I mean, it's a real big drag for fans who just want to know kind of what's going on with their team because if, if they know, oh, hey, there's injuries, that can drive lineup discussions, that can drive content that can keep your league relevant throughout the week. And if that's if it's relevant throughout the week, then you're going to get more fans, more interest, more views, more gear sold, all of that kind of stuff. But, once again, MLS shoots itself in the foot. Maybe they're all, all the coaches. Maybe all the coaches are secretly – fantasy managers as well and they just don't want the other teams to have the insights for for their rosters hashtag no collusion <laughs> hashtag <laughs> we sucks um that's no that's for real you guys can do that we be sucks it's it's not a it's not a diss well kind of uh he's winless in our he's winless in the in the season the the sprint the second half yes yes I, yeah, well, I think he only set his lineup like the second week, the first. Well, I was going to say he's uh, he's at least tried to set it a few times. So I mean, does that does that count? Uh, let's see here. Passing out L's. Uh, yeah, O O and six is is where Weeby is right now, just slightly ahead of the team that's not setting its lineup anymore. So <laughs> okay, can we put can we put some of that Patreon money towards an MLS fantasy boss league uh, wooden spoon and then send it to Weeby? Have an actual prize. Wait, maybe we should just yeah. the Patreon money to helping Weeby hire a uh, an aide or something that can just set his lineup for him. Yes, know. that that sounds good. We need to get Weeby. We need to get Weeby an MLS fantasy intern. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love Isn't it. Isn't that what Ben Bear is supposed to be? <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to spare. I don't want to disparage Ben Bear on on this podcast and all the good work that he does. That was actually and, MLS fantasy intern was what yeah. I was going to change my name to if I did like really bad in the league this year, but I did not. So, like, oh, I maybe, maybe, maybe that's my future. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, guys, for that uh, conversation. We're going to get into our team by team reviews right now uh, because we got a big, great double game week coming. Well, not great double game week, but it's a good week coming up. Uh, starting out with our double. Game Game week teams first, DC United starts out versus Minnesota and then away to New York Red Bulls, Matt. 
Uh, DC looks really, really good going into this week, Reed. Uh, Minnesota United is bad on the road. The uh, DC United is very, very good at home. Uh, I tend to, when there are DGWs and there's one in the midweek, I tend to set my lineup after I know that initial roster. So I'll hesitate, I'll put an asterisk on everything I'm about to say that a lot of it, how I will uh, go about this week, will depend on who's starting in that DC United game, knowing that they have a really good matchup midweek and not such a good matchup against the New York Red Bulls. DC did get their first ever lost at Audi Field in league play to the Red Bulls. I'm going to say it was the second game. That was when BWP got his 100th goal in league play, ripped off the 99 jersey, and he had the 100 jersey um, on the back. So I don't know how I feel about that second one. Um, and there is a little bit of roster rotation, but we know that Bill Hamid's probably going to start and play all 180 minutes. We know that they have a decent chance of getting a clean sheet against Minnesota. Um uh, ben Olsen has tended to ride his center backs, um, Steve Birnbaum and Ofori, uh, really, really well. So I think those are really good options. I would not be relying on any of the central midfielders at this point to be reliable, given that Paul Areola played, uh, you know, was uh, with the national team. I believe Steber was also there. Um, I think uh, Darren Maddox was also called up with Jamaica, if I'm not mistaken. And he's been a little bit more prone to rotating that roster. You've also seen um, Knaus and Durkin kind of shifting off. Durkin's really been a a bench player in the last couple of weeks. And I just think with the congested schedule that they've already had and given the opponents they had, Durkin might start. So, you know, I know in uh, in the actual show notes, you have read uh, likely players from 180. I don't know how many of those that I have for DC United. I have a bunch of players who I think are good for at least 120 or 100, 150 this week. Um, if he's able to start, you know, I, I, I've been betting against Wayne Rooney too long to this point where until he shows me he can't go, I am full hashtag Wayne the Swamp. And then, and of course, Lucho Acosta <laughs> continues to fall out. So I would totally go with him. Um, and then I don't know that I trust on him. I would trust him to go 180 minutes, but we haven't really seen Vitos crack the lineup and just given the schedule congestion that they've had, I have a thought that maybe he eventually starts a game. So, uh, you know, if Vitos is going up and you really like the matchup uh, that DC has against Minnesota, I would start Vitos, but I don't know that I'd count on him starting in both of those games. But at this point, just given how uh, all the things going on with DC's roster situation and the rotation they could be going at this point for any defender um, if I know that they're starting against Minnesota and they have a good chance for a clean sheet, I'll probably take that regardless of what ends up happening for them for New York. So the only guy that I really have who's a surefire thing for 180 is Hamid. And then maybe Lucho, uh, you know, maybe Wayne Rooney goes 160 and then maybe gets subbed out in those two games or comes on on halftime for one of them if they really need him. I'm shook right now with, with <laughs> Wayne the Swamp. <laughs> That's a great fantasy team name. I'm, I'm so. Oh my excited. gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh, that's but, great. Uh, I, I want to add something to Matt. Um, Wayne, the the past two double game weeks that um, DC United has had, Wayne Rooney has started both times, going 86 minutes in that midweek game, and then 90 minutes on the weekend. Um, so obviously the Red Bulls matchup's not a great one, but I think you could probably expect him to to start and even if he doesn't start i think i might take 20 minutes against minnesota with a extra game <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh well let's just go right into minnesota then mike uh they start out away at dc united and then travel to real salt lake um well you know my fantasy expert opinion i i can say the minnesota is not good um <laughs> the uh, the big thing and i probably should have thrown this in the injury report um quintero is back he's training he's expected to be fit and available for both games um i think he's probably a must-have I, I saw a lot of discussion in the discord 
uh, MLS Fantasy Disc Boss Discord um, today about whether or not Quintero is a must-have. In my opinion, he is because of the production he has. I think his lowest output has been four. More recently, he's getting more frequently. He's getting scores like eight. Uh, we talked about the DC United defense in the top part of the show. I don't think them or RSL have been very good. Remember, Minnesota is coming off a long rest layover, so I do think you're going to see a lot of 180-minute options except for those guys who are called up. The problem is outside of Contero, you don't have a whole lot of great options. Uh, obviously, Calvo being out pretty much rules him out. Um, I think the only other interesting person to look at is uh, Ibsen. Um, he hasn't been as consistent as he's been last year. He's been very hot and cold. Um, he'll throw, but recently he's either been getting two or eight. Um, so I think he's kind of an interesting player to kind of put in there. Um, you know, if you're having concerns at the D.C. central midfield, uh, like Matt said, maybe he's someone to kind of put in there as it's for, for some defensive points. Um but other than that, I think those are really your only two options. Uh, I don't think Minnesota would be favored to get a win in either of these games. But uh, I don't think either of these teams' defenses are so strong at home that you would shy away from Quintero. And with Ibsen, you could come away with 10 points, then, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. And plus, he's a consistent starter. So um, that's kind of where I'm leaning, you know, it's because, hey, it could happen, you know. Right, Especially well, if DC United does rotate heavily to try to get that D, uh, New York Red Bulls game. Right, which could happen because this is a decently quick turnaround for them from their, their weekend game coming into Minnesota. Mm. Uh, that would definitely be the game to rotate, uh, just not because they don't need the points, but just because it's likely to be uh, less difficult than... Yeah, because they can probably rotate against Minnesota and then you know try to go full board and still get a full three points. Right, right. You could go for that. All right, thank you guys for those double game week breakdowns. Let's move on to our single game week teams. We're going to hit this up game by game because we've got some time right now, and some of these may be pretty quick. Uh, so, Matt, let's start out Colorado versus Atlanta. Um, the Rapids are bad and the five stripes are good. I think Atlanta's going to win. I'm not telling you anything you uh, need to know. You don't already know if you listen to this podcast regularly, but I would be betting on Atlanta attackers at this point, uh, given where the Rapids center back situation is at. Axel Schuberg is still out. Uh, Dan, feel free to to add this to your to your fantasy stuff, um, your fantasy injury list as well. Um, Sam Nicholson has kind of been questionable, and he was a really good option in that underneath striker role underneath Jack McBean. Got a couple of game winners um, last month. Um, I'm hearing now that maybe the back injury that he suffered at LAFC is going to take him out a little bit longer than anticipated, so it's just going to be much more of a duct tape lineup. Anthony Hudson's grasping at straws, and especially with, I assume, Cal Nacosta playing tomorrow again uh, Mexico and then flying back to Commerce City. I don't know how much he's going to be ready to go. He certainly, I, I expect, would be available, assuming he's not injured. But I wouldn't count on him bossing the game. So you might see a similar situation where Atlanta's going to have a numbers advantage in the midfield. Jack Price is going to be able to cover a whole lot. That's going to lead to the Rapids bunkering, and that's going to lead to Atlanta getting chance after chance after chance. I like Miguel Marone and Mar Joseph Martinez's chances at converting any of those chances. If there's one Rapids player who maybe you're looking at in this one, I think the obvious one would be Edgar Castillo. He did suffer a leg injury in training a couple of weeks ago, and then he was questionable. Um, he did not travel with the team for their uh, showcase game in Memphis against Tulsa Roughnecks. Um, 
Um, but uh, he did play and start and I believe go all 90 minutes um, on the weekend. So I would expect him to be back in form. Um, you know, if you're looking for maybe a, a bench player or somebody like that, maybe you think an Enzo Martinez, you know, somebody who's going to cost you four or 4.5 million to be a starter would be an option for the Rapids, but that's really about it. The one thing I'm looking for for Atlanta, if you're looking for, say, a switcheroo or something to really set you up with the rest of the schedule, that Saturday, the Rapids have been very, very conservative on their right, the opponent's left side of the field. Um, with the injuries that they've had to Schubert um, and Hudson not really trusting Marlon Harrison, he's been in the doghouse, and a bunch of the other right backs haven't really shown up. Uh, he's been trotting out homegrown Courtney Ford, who's normally a fairly mobile center back. Um, who's essentially been a third center back out there who's been very, very defensive. So whoever that attacking player is, if they're able to get into a good position, has been able to do well offensively against court forward and whoever that center back pairing next to him. So uh, I haven't been watching Atlanta recently to know um, – who's been that outside wing back, but whoever's starting at left midfield or left wing or left wing back, um, I think would be an option if you really wanted to switch something up just because they would have a good matchup. But uh, yeah, Atlanta's going to win. It's not going to be close. <laughs> All right, Mike, Philadelphia versus Montreal. You know, this is a really interesting matchup. I think if there weren't so many other juicy matchups um, in the single game week with a double game week, I think we'd be looking at this more. Um, I mean, Montreal is very much a hot and cold team. Sometimes I kind of worry about picking against them because you don't know which version of Montreal is going to show up. But I still think Philly's going to be fairly favored in this game. Um, I mean, Piotti's probably your best array player just because you never know what Piotti's going to do. But I still think Philadelphia is probably a good team to look at if you're having some hard um, budget choices, especially on your back line. I think they do have a shot at a clean sheet. Um, their attackers I don't think are as good as some of the other options, but I still think attackers like Burke – um, kind of be on the watch out, Sapong. Uh, there were some rumblings out of Philadelphia that Sapong, when he scored his goal against New York City, it kind of felt like he shook, shaken off the rust. Maybe he'll get some more playing time. So we'll see what um, what they do after the break. Um, but obviously, I think you're more likely to get Burke, but you can put him in and just see in case Philly does make the sun switch to Sapong. But um, obviously, I don't think there's a whole lot of great value in midfield this week. Um, with just one game and some other really good options out there. But I think Burke and some of the Phillies' backline players could be some players to look out to fill out your roster. All right. Uh, that brings us over to Dallas versus Columbus. Uh, and this is uh, a game. Why don't you like Matt? I, I wanted to hear Matt about Toronto and Galaxy. Can I skip that one? Well, yep. oh, Matt, give us uh, Toronto. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's go with all the goal scorers in this one, guys. Uh, I have no idea what the LA Galaxy are going to look like under Dominic Kinnear, if it's anything like his time with the San Jose Earthquakes or Houston Dynamo. I have a sense that they're going to go defensive low block 4-4-2, and instead of root wanting it to an Alan Gordon, they're going to be root wanting it to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, I know it's a little bit early in the week, but last we heard Oro and um, Chris Mavinga were still carrying Knox. Toronto is somewhat of a tire fire. Uh, Michael Siani is very bad. Jorgen Shelvik is very bad. Uh, Dave Romney, when he doesn't have cover, is very bad. And there's only so much that David Bingham can do when he's getting absolutely no help. So I like Sebastian Giovinco in this one. I like Josie Alstor in this one. Um, 
I bet on Zlatan just because they're playing on grass, and I know that he's going to be really pissed off. Um, all the three DPS for the LA Galaxy are still very much in doubt. So you know, I you know, unless Alessandrinia, you see that he's starting and possibly going to go 90 minutes. I wouldn't really bet on him. I wouldn't bet on you know either of the Quattro Santos. Um, so you know, I, I think it's it's Zlatan and whichever um, uh, attacking and midfield options you really like um, for uh, for Toronto. Uh, if if I'm really picking a score here, I'd probably say three two three one. To Toronto, I don't think either team gets a clean sheet, but I don't think the Galaxy are going to win, and it's going to be ugly. Did we say, like, clearing case someone isn't has their head in a rock that Siggy Schmidt was fired yesterday or not resigned with communal consent or whatever it was that they so (laughs) yeah. So I was at, so I was on the conference call that the Galaxy had earlier today with Chris Klein, and they said it was with mutual consent. Um, he was pressed on it. I can't remember by who from the the media who was on the conference call asking who initiated the conversation, and Klein said, "quote It wasn't initiated by one side or the other." So okay, if Siggy didn't bring it up and nobody from the front <laughs> office brought it up, how did the conversation even start? Eventually, you know, like like if a breakup is going to happen, eventually somebody has to say, "So and so, we need to talk." And if nobody said we need to talk, but so it, it, it was the, you know, the, the word from Gal- the galaxy front office is that it was a, it was a mutual agreement, but that it was Siggy's decision. Ultimately, that's why he wasn't technically fired. And why I presume um, he won't be getting a check, you know, in some, you know, other than maybe a severance check. I don't know how that works with, um, MLS coaching salaries that he won't be getting paid the rest of the season. Um, there were some rumblings that there's been some implications as far as Siggy's health. I can't remember offhand how old he is, but you know, I maybe I'm reading too much into this, but he's looked, you know, really worse for wear. Maybe that's just with the way the the season's gone on him. Ultimately, when he took this position, he said, you know, he's always preferred to live in Los Angeles and the Galaxy was all have always been his favorite club. He won his first MLS Cup ring um, with the LA Galaxy back in 2001. That was the first championship for the club. And I think when he wanted to step in, seeing what happened in the aftermath with Kurt Anolfo last season, it was a desire to save the club. And really, ultimately, Dan Reed, he failed and he failed spectacularly. And I don't know that he could take that anymore or really thought that he was going to be good. His contract was up for the season. So maybe he didn't think it was going to do anything. Uh, ultimately, I don't know how much Dom Kinnear changes things. Um, he's a little bit more defensive minded and simplistic than. Siggy Smith is so maybe that improves a little bit but I mean at that point like you're, you're putting a band-aid over an open gushing wound at that point I, I think the the Galaxy are done as far as this standpoint Zlatan could score a hat trick in every single one of their remaining six games and I'm still not sure that they would make the playoffs um, and I don't know where they go from here for this season I don't know that Dom Kinnear is the answer and I think ultimately if the Galaxy are going to right this ship that has been the post Bruce Arena era for the club era for the club. I think bigger changes have to be made. And yes, I'm talking about you, Chris Klein and P. Fianis. And ultimately, they've got seven million dollars in annual salary invested in two DPS who quite frankly, had absolutely no interest in playing for the club prior to the Mexico roster being finalized for the World Cup and haven't really shown any interest then. I think that the Galaxy are better when Jonah Dos Santos and and Giovanni Dos Santos are on the field, but are they $7 million in two players better? No, and until they're able to move on from those players, their contracts run through the end of 2019, I don't think that they're going to get any better offensively or that any other thing that they're going to do, coaching move, TAM players, uh, you know, unless Ronaldo wants to come here on a free transfer and you know play with Slaton on a TAM level contract. I don't see them getting past the issues that they have with the uh, you know uh, the the touched brain trust 
that they have in the front office and they're fundamentally disinterested uh, DPs who are just cashing in a paycheck and loving living in LA. Now he's going to go play in Orlando. We all know that. Or Miami. He's going to play in Miami. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. You know, I I think it's a little bit of a bad rap for him. Uh, It's, I think it's just, it's made even worse by having the highest budget with the biggest paid DPs, but but Siggy still has the most wins of any MLS coach over his entire career. So, I mean, he's he's competent, but L.A. was kind of a tire fire coming into it already. And so with, with those defensive options that he has, I don't think they really had much to work with when he came in there. But um, I, I just want to say that Dom uh, Kinnear coaching Zlatan is like a dream of mine. This is like the best thing ever. <laughs> I do think it's funny. One more thing before we move on. It, I really enjoyed the part of, I guess, the press release that came out there where he's like, nah, it was my idea. I've been coached for 35 years, just decided I was done, but I hope to still be involved in the game. <laughs> so it's like puppy dog eyes, blink, blink, hey. So we'll see, see what happens there. Uh, Jump the gun a second before, but now it's time for Dallas versus Columbus. Uh, you know, normally this might be a, a fairly interesting game to pick from. Columbus has some options that have started to be a little bit more productive on the road. They've got Marin back, which has helped them some as well. Jesse Zaris is having uh, his best year in his past four years, I think is what it is, up in Columbus. Uh, Dallas can be a bit unpredictable, a pretty solid defensive player. Most of their highest scoring players are on the defense. Depending on what happens with Jossie Zardes, if he plays a lot against Mexico, he may not feature heavily in uh, this game. So if you do want to go with a Dallas defender, uh, that that may be an option, maybe a Hedges or or someone or a Cannon, depending on what you might want to do. In general, though, I think a lot of the Dallas players are a bit too inconsistent for me, even though they're doing very well over uh, in the standings. But um, I'm – I'm in general kind of a pass on this game just because I think a lot of the other fantasy options, other midfielders, other forwards have better potential. Uh, So I'm just going to give it a maybe as a a defender option for Dallas, uh, depending on what the Sporting Kansas City lineup is. Let's move on to Houston versus Portland. Mike. Um, I don't know if I trust Portland on the road. Um, I mean, they got a good result, but – you know, outside of a weekend Colorado team, they, they've been kind of on a slide. Um, and then on the road has not been the best of circumstances. Then we all know Houston's inconsistency. Um, I think in general, you have much better games to pick. Uh, I mean, unless you want to get on the Houston Dynamo roulette wheel, uh, but I don't want to take that against Portland's defense. Um, this is probably an ugly game, probably like a 1-1, unless like, Portland just happens to get an early goal and just like smashes Houston into little tiny bits. That's pretty much all you're going to get from this game. I mean, maybe a Portland, like a Valeria is an outside pick, but I think you have much better, more um, surefire um, picks, especially for a premium player for like Portland. So I think this is general one you're going to skip. I mean, there's some, maybe some differentials here. If you're like really uh, convinced Portland's going to beat Houston or you, you're going to play the dynamo, a roulette wheel of death, but <laughs> wow. okay. Well, then let's move on from that one. Matt Vancouver versus Seattle. Always bet on Rave Green. Yes, Seattle are on the road, but it's barely even a road trip. They're going to get on a bus together. Um, they have one now. Is it six, seven in a row? I can't count that high. 
Oh, well, oh my gosh, we're up to eight. We're up to eight, eight games in a eight wins in a row. Uh, Nicolo Dare is calling out. I'm totally with Bobby Warson on this one that what they do isn't necessarily always the prettiest thing, but it's extremely effective. And ultimately, they're back to being. You know, I know we just mentioned Siggy Smith, but the you know the 2014, the 2013 team that was extremely hard to play against. That was going to ball out on home and was going to be able to not park the butts, but let the other team have the ball and be very, very stout defensively and hard to break down. You're going If you're going to score on them, you're going to have to be spectacular. And Vancouver's just been this shot, not schadenfreude, what am I thinking, Jekyll and Hyde team of just, you know, I have no idea who they are. Are they a good team? Are they a bad team? But fundamentally, the thing that Carl Robinson still really likes about them is that they don't want to have the ball. And this has been their problem pretty much all season at home is a team comes in, plays stout defensively, lets them have the ball, and other than let's pass it to Alfonso Davies and see if he can burn Orlando, you don't necessarily know what they're going to do. So I'm definitely picking Seattle to win this one. Um, Ozzy Alonso has looked revitalized. If you want a nice defensive midfield option, probably can't go wrong with Nicolo Dero, though, for $14 million. I think there are some better options in terms of home teams playing against worse teams than Vancouver. Um, you know, if you really like Rui Diaz, I think he would be an option. But ultimately, I'm probably going on the defensive side of the ball um, for the Sounders just because I like their chances to get a clean sheet. Can't go wrong with Stefan Fry, Chad Marshall, Kinky. He has really impressed me in recent years. Uh, I can't remember offhand who's. Uh, uh, Brad Smith is their new uh, outside back, I believe, who was really, really impressive um, in Cascadia Cup against Portland a couple weeks ago. Um, if you're really looking for a Vancouver option, you know, I know Kendall Watson has been dangerous on set pieces recently, but marking up against Chad Marshall with Stefan Fry, I don't know that that's a great matchup. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know at this point for his output and given the parts working around him that Alfonso Davies is worth a $10 million option. So I think there's options for players on both sides of the ball. I'm picking Seattle's defense because I think that's where you're going to get good value. I think there's still good players who could put up points and score goals on offense. Davies and then a few of the attackers for Seattle. There are just other games and other matchups that I'm probably looking to first before I look over any of those players. Right, Mike, LAFC versus New England. Uh, so I really like this matchup. It's one of the few um, cross-country matchups, uh, the other one being Toronto versus LA Galaxy. Um yeah, I was just double-checking that that was the only one uh, that we had as far as the single game weeks. Uh, I mean, New England obviously had the big win over New York City, and they did it by being very defensive. That's something that they're going to have to do again. But I think with a cross-country trip, I think they'll be much less likely to be successful. Um, I really like LAFC players up and down uh, the field. I, I think they have a really good shot at a clean sheet. Obviously, without Simon, there's a little bit of question there. Uh, I'm not really sure who's going to start. I, I think I have like Silva, Da Silva, the, the new signing in my lineup, kind of as a placeholder, just to kind of see who if, if he's uh, healthy or not. Uh, we haven't heard an injury update on him for a, a little bit. But um, I think either Lee Wynn or Benny Fellhaber are good choices in the midfielder. Um, they're not quite premium prices, so they can help you fill out your budget. Uh, up top, uh, I think Vell is a really interesting choice. Uh, against New England. So obviously no one from New England I think would be worth it. Um so I I think this could I think this could be a two nothing win for LAFC and a real interesting test to see what they can do uh, now that they had some time to game plan uh, around Simon being absent. Of course last time they played they had both Harvey and uh, Jakovic in their starting lineup which uh, Harvey is a 6 million dollar player and uh, Jakovic is a 5 million dollar center back right there so um, could be some options. Uh, Zimmerman and Betashore are the other players who, who round out that lineup. Um, 
much more expensive right there, 8.2. Zimmerman's only 6.8, so a little bit more, a little bit more affordable depending on your budget right there, but definitely some budget options for LAFC. And Silva's 5.7, so he's a little bit cheaper, but obviously the question is whether or not he plays. Right, right. He has that little uh, injury icon still, as, as we, mm -hmm. we Mike just mentioned, so uh, keep an eye on that mm -hmm. roster. Could be, it's an easy switch. It's an easy switch right there. Right. could help you with some money. Uh, moving on, Sporting Kansas City is traveling to play San Jose uh, this week. San Jose is mathematically out of the running for uh, the playoffs, and Sporting Kansas City is fighting for number one in the West, so a lot riding on this game, at least for Sporting Kansas City. When teams tend to be out, they tend to start uh, letting some of the kids play or at least fooling around with some things. Uh, that could happen to San Jose, even if it's at home. Um, I, I don't like San Jose. I know I'm, I'm going to say it this week because I didn't say it last, last week, and I guess it's always worth mentioning. Uh, you could go with Faco. I, I guess you could. If you really, really wanted a Sporting Kansas City player, or, I mean a San Jose player, but I think there are far better options, uh, especially on a non-double game week for San Jose, that uh, would knock him very low to on your list of potential players right there. Uh, for Sporting Kansas City, if you're going to go with an away team, uh, a decent option, especially if there's some rotation against San Jose. Uh, you're looking at the usual suspects right there uh, with Gutierrez and with uh, Shallowy and with Russell and just their main lineup right there. Depending on who's there, it could come from a lot of different options, and that may be frustrating for a fantasy player, especially for an away game. So it may not be really worth going all in uh, with a team like that. So a sporting Kansas City player might be more of a bench uh, switcheroo option if you want to go with that, depending on the lineup that San Jose rolls out. So not a, team, I'm, I'm not a game I'm leaning heavily for my fantasy options. And I feel like San Jose doesn't have a player kids movement. It has a player Wando movement. <laughs> a player Wando. Pretty much try to, try to help them out. Uh, Chicago versus Orlando, Matt. Um, I don't really like either of these teams. Uh, they're both pretty bad. Um, you know, Chicago Fire did finally uh, stop the bleeding to a certain extent. They had a eight-game losing streak, and then they got a draw against Columbus on that Thursday during uh, Emerald's rivalry week before they headed uh, to Germany to get shellacked in a, I don't know if we kind of call it a testimonial game since he's technically not retired, but um, uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger getting to return to Germany to uh, play 45 minutes with the Fire and then 45 minutes um, with uh, Bayern Munich. I want to say it was 5-0 to Bayern uh, with uh, Basti getting a goal for his old club so you know they're a little bit better on that front um orlando city is continuing to set records for you know losses in x number of games um so I don't really like either of these teams. You know, if it was mathematically possible for me to say both teams were going to lose this game, I would probably pick that. Uh, Yoshi Otun is out. He's up with the national team. So I don't know whether or not he'd be available. Um, both of these defenses are bad, and they do have proven attackers in MLS play. So, you know, similar to the uh, Cascadia game that I talked about a couple minutes ago, you know, I'd probably like Dwyer's chances to get a goal in this one. Um, and then, uh, you know, Nemanja Nikolic, maybe, um, if you're looking for somebody a little bit more consistent, uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger, uh, regardless of where he's been playing on the pitch or how good his the rest of his team's been, he's been consistently a four to seven uh, point guy. You know, I don't know if that makes sense for eight point nine million. 
Um, Alexander Gatai is finally healthy and he's only 8 million. So if you're looking at, you know, say a slightly risky switcheroo option and you've got a little bit of room on your budget, maybe you stash Gatai on the bench, but really, I don't know that I, that I trust anybody in this roster. I think Nikolic and Dwyer could easily both score, but just given how both of these teams are on their run of form and uh, how much of a mess I think this game is going to be in general, they're just for, you know, a 9.3 million for a uh, Nemanja Nikolic and 8.9 million for Dom Dwyer. They're just other forwards that I would be looking at at this point. So I think there's a couple semi-okay bench options for this one, but that's about it. Uh, I wouldn't pay too much attention to this game, and I honestly wouldn't watch this game if you're not a Chicago Fire or an Orlando City fan, or maybe you're a masochist. I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for those game reviews. Now let's move on to our player picks, starting out with Keeper. Mike? Uh, I think it has to be Hamid this week. Matt? Retweet favorite, Bill Hamid. Defenders, Matt. Ooh, I wasn't prepared for you to go from me for with me first. Um, I'll take anybody at Seattle at this point. Um, I'd probably personally go with Chad Marshall, given the way that he's playing. Um, you know, I'd probably wait and see who's starting on the back line for DC United and probably go with one of the center backs. I personally preferred um, Opare in the last couple of weeks. He's slightly cheaper than Birnbaum and he actually has a better um, points per game average. Um, and then at this point, I don't think you could go wrong um, with anybody on LAFC's back line, even with uh, Lorenz Simon departing the club. Mike? Uh, right now I have Birnbaum, although that's pretty much as a placeholder for favorite DC United defender. Um, right now I have Da Silva, again, a placeholder for favorite LAFC defender. Uh, and then on my starting team, right now I have Moro from Toronto. Um, if nothing else, I think he might have some chances for to help out offensively. Um, and I, I think they actually might keep a clean sheet against the LA Galaxy because I don't think the Dom Kinnear is capable of scoring uh, on the road. So I'm, I'm interested in that uh, possibility. Then on my bench, um, I have Parkhurst as a switcheroo. So I'm pretty much targeting all of Matt's teams for clean sheets. <laughs> that yeah, it, it sounded like it. Um, I'm bad. I hate your teams. I mean, you, you could have thrown in a Real Salt Lake player, I guess, there for good luck to hope that they wouldn't do much against against Minnesota. But okay. Uh, midfielders, Mike. Uh, let's see. I have uh, Lucho Acosta. Um, I have. I, I do have Ibsen right now. Um, I'm sort of on the fence about that, but I'm keeping him in uh, right now. I may switch him into um, an auto-roo situation, kind of see how he does in that first game. Uh, and then I have Albert Rusnak. Uh, Rusnak's usually pretty good at home, and against a tired Minnesota team. Uh, I really like that uh, possibility. And then uh, right now I have Benny Failhaber on the bench. I uh, can't go wrong with Lucho Acosta on this one. Um, if I see that Minnesota United is starting Cantero in that game against DC, I'll probably throw him in there. Um, I can't remember who it was uh, uh, who wrote the the article, but uh, I've been on the Harris Madunian and hype train the last couple weeks. You know, eight point five million or so. You know, pretty consistent four to five point player. He's been one of my main midfield switcheroos that I've been using. Um, can't go wrong with Albert Rusnak on this one, and just given how how much the um the alley galaxy midfield is going to be absolute swiss cheese i like the chances for uh, michael bradley to get a couple defensive and offensive uh bonus points on this one so i probably add him in there as well right forwards matt uh, I'll go with uh, Carlos Vela. Um, give me Joseph Martinez to add to his scoring total. Um, Wayne Rooney, if he ends up starting against Minnesota, I think that he's going to go all 120 minutes and basically anybody against Toronto at this point. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, Greg Vanny could start himself and I think he could score up top against uh, Michael Ciani this week. <laughs> Mike. 
Uh, I have I have Wayne Rudy and Quintero. Uh, obviously, assuming that Quintero um, starts on on Wednesday, um, if he's on the bench, um, then I'll probably sub him out to um, to Carlos Vela. But right now, I have Josie Altador as my third forward on the bench. All right, Captain Mike. I, you know, I'm really waiting on on Lily to to help me out on this, but uh, <laughs> until then, I have it on Lucio Acosta. Matt. Uh, I'll go with Lucho Acosta as well, um, unless I see that Rooney ends up starting, and then maybe I'll go with him. But it's going to be a DC player, and it's going to be one of those two. Um, I probably lean uh, Lucho heavily at this point. All right, and clean sheet chances, Matt. Um, DC United, uh, I give Minnesota, or excuse me, I give Philadelphia a shout, um, and then I probably add in LAFC. Um, did was there? Did it? Do you want three or four? How many you want? Okay, I, I think those are the the uh, Seattle as well. Since I've been hyping them up, sounds fair, Mike. Any team that is playing a team that Matt supports. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I could definitely see DC United getting a few clean sheets. Um, not against the Red Bulls, but maybe uh, against Minnesota. Um, if if Quintero is a little bit rusty, um, I think. Um, LAFC, uh, even maybe Toronto, um, apart from the ones that we mentioned. All right, guys. Thank you so much for all those player selections and game tips. Hope everyone out there finds them helpful. Moving on to our community time as we wrap the show up right here. We're going to talk about the MLS Fantasy Hosts Invitational League. A pretty good round last week. The highest scoring team was Santa Fe Calientes, and that was 121 points right there. Uh, almost everyone in the league had triple digits except for people not playing uh, or Weeby or our good friend Ivan from Fantasy Football 24-7 didn't quite break that 100-point mark, and so he got a loss right there. Uh, Mike, you had a, a tough loss to, to Hicks right this week. Yeah, you know, D.C. United owning – New York City on the field and in fantasy, just 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 a rough rough, rough week all around. It was, it was a good representation of actual events. It was a good representation, just misery all around. Blaine <laughs> and I went head to head, and uh, continuing my streak, which I, I guess I'm okay with this streak as long as it keeps working, but it's really nerve wracking. Uh, I beat Blaine one twelve to one ten, so another nail biter right there uh, for me as well. And uh, the top of the chart has changed with. Uh, Kyle losing his first match of this second season, 113 to 117. He is no longer number one overall in the league. And uh, then, Matt, let's see here. Let me look up. You are uh, 5 0 and 1, as you already said, sitting in nicely at fifth place. Um, Kyle has fallen down to third place. And Phil and I are tied as the joint number ones right now with uh, the record of 6 0 and 0. So, Phil and I are the only undefeated teams that are left in this season. Uh, Phil is edging me out in the point differential with plus 79 and to my plus 54. Um, that pales, though, if Kyle had not lost that, he is sitting at a plus 227 point differential in our league right now. I'm pretty sure most of that is because he played that one team that is not playing, so lots of points right there, but uh, – it's it's fun. You got a plus forty seven, Matt. So that's that's pretty solid as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, what the league looks like. As we're very competitive, a lot of fun. 
Um, people may not care about these updates, but we like to talk about them because we get to highlight some of the, the great contributors that we have on the show who come on and, and do things with us. That's all we have for the show. Yeah. I'm pretty much stuck to playing a spoiler for the, for the rest of the season. I, I hope I don't mess anybody up. It'd be a shame if, like, this next week I mess up someone <laughs> who's undefeated. <laughs> yes, yes, Mike is playing me next week, so we'll see if he if he ruins mine. Gives me my first loss. That's all I've been accomplished in the MLS if I had his just, like, ruining read season, like, time and time again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm usually pretty strong during the season, and then when it gets to the, to the playoffs, I choke. I think that's called a New York City. Oh, I mean, there's a, it applies to any team in New York. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's what we have for the show tonight. And I was going to wrap up with our plugs, Matt. Uh, follow me on Twitter at LWS Matt Pollard for, you know, all hot takes associated with the LA Galaxy, um, Colorado Rapids, and occasionally St. Louis FC. I will be at the game on Saturday if you want any of, uh, you know, want, want any of my insight that I might have on Atlanta fantasy options, especially with whoever's matching up against uh, that court fourth side of the field. Um, um, uh, Reed, I assume this will be out sometime before Wednesday, so since we're recording this on um September 10th. A uh, huge shout out to all of our uh, men and women in service, past and present, for everything you do to protect us against terrorism and threats in general. Um, you know, all threats to our democracy, foreign and domestic, allowing us to sleep easy at night and do things like record a podcast about an MLS fantasy league. Um, and then thank you also to our first responders for everything that you do. Um, I know there's there's a lot of craziness going on in the country right now with political ideologies and you know arguments over you know certain uh, certain athletic apparel brands and their own political ideologies but i always look at september 11th the events from that as the reaction from america and how we handled and came together in spite of the evil that is still capable in this world rather than the evil that exists and i think there is still a lot of good in this country and if we focus on that we can find some common ground despite our differences um who we're starting in our fantasy team or you know uh mike bagging on me for the fact that even though new york city is going to choke in the playoffs at least you're making the playoffs <laughs> That's true. At least we have something over Orlando fans. It's always you know. Of course, like this would probably be the one year where I have no expectations going into the playoffs. Or the last few years, I was like, oh yeah, New York City, they can make a run, they can win MLS Cup. This will probably be the year they actually do something, <laughs> 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 just to spite me, like that team always does. Okay, Mike. Um, I'll probably record an episode of my Catholic Nerd podcast soon. I'm hoping to get that done. Um. Since I don't know if I've actually announced this on the podcast, I did announce it on Twitter, but uh, we're having our fourth, um, we're having a little girl in January. So I've been a little bit busier than I thought. Um, so um, yeah, so maybe I'm going to have my own um, captain picking baby soon. So we're going to challenge Lily when she's not here. But uh, yeah, so hope, hopefully check that out. I think my next uh, movie I'm going to do is Wreck-It Ralph, but we'll see. Ooh, ooh, maybe we'll have a, a Thrawn book two, a Thrawn Alliances podcast sometime. Oh, that would be good. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have you on to talk about Star Wars EU, but you have, <laughs> you'd have to talk about like Christian themes in it. So, Okay, well, I mean, I'm not <laughs> Uh, as for me, head over to MLSFantasyBoss.com to check out all of the articles that will be coming out this week. The difficulty charts are already up this week. I didn't get them last week, but I did get the ELO. Uh, expect both of those this week as well. I believe we're going to have the XG numbers back from Kyle. Uh, I think he had a computer problem that helped out with that. Uh, but head over there to check out all, all of the articles that will be coming out. Head over to r slash fantasy MLS over on Reddit 
and check out the discussion that goes on right there. Lots of articles from around the web get posted as well as Captain Discussions and Rate My Teams all pop up throughout the week, even on these short turnarounds with Wednesday game weeks. And then, of course, check out my article that will be over at MLSsoccer.com with my weekly picks article. goes along with Skyler's rankings articles, and I think those are two really good sources to help you decide, at least narrow down and get some justification for what players you may want to add to your team or just help you get you that last push like yeah okay other people are thinking this i'll go with that so check out all those resources uh and as as mentioned multiple times mlsfantasyboss.com has the discord chat it's free lots of fantastic and well scoring players are in that uh chat to bounce ideas off of especially as it gets close to kickoff so with that being said good luck